Raising black children in the United States can be really scary. And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear and I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation. You are listening to the Parenting for Liberation podcast. I am your host, Trina Green-Brown. Each episode, I'm joined by other black parents and we discuss our journeys to push past our fears to raise our beautiful black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more back to thinking, time for thinking. Hey, it's Trina. And for this special episode, we are talking about my book. So excited. Parenting for Liberation, A Guide for Raising Black Children um, is out Juneteenth, 2020, which is in a month. Um, Juneteenth was picked as a special day to honor the idea that Black folks are liberated and free. It's to honor and celebrate our liberation and our freedom. So I intentionally picked that day. You can pre-order the book now. Um, You can order it through feministpress.org. And if you order it there, you can use the code TRINA20 and you can get 20% off. Also, you might actually get your book a little earlier than some folks. Um, Other places that you order, you know, you can order at all the other retail places, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, you know, those places. But we really want to encourage folks to buy from your local, small, independent bookstores that are struggling right now, especially given coronavirus and COVID and limited shopping. So if you can, please make your purchase at your local bookstore or a Black-owned bookstore or even a woman-owned bookstore. We really want to support those small, independent bookstores. All right. And so this particular conversation is a conversation between Danny McLean, who is a Black author as well, a Black mama author who wrote We Live for the We, The Political Power of Black Motherhood. Um, You may have heard Danny on a previous episode when we did a talk with Adrienne Marie Brown and Danny McLean about their books about pleasure and parenting. If you haven't checked out Danny's book, please do that as well. You can buy her book on all those platforms as well. And we encourage you again to purchase with the local bookstore or independent bookstore. All right. So in this conversation with Danny, we talked about the book, but we also talked about what does it mean to parent in community during COVID-19? Because so many of us are isolated and are parenting in these silos. How do we still parent in community and why community is so important for us as Black parents? And so check out this episode. Hope you enjoy. You know, thank you so much for joining us today. We're here to celebrate the publication of Parenting for Liberation, A Guide to Raising Black Children, which will happen next month on Juneteenth. And we have the author Trina Green-Brown here today in conversation with Danny McLean. And we'll be talking about parenting during COVID, community, and so much more. Um, And before we introduce the panelists, um, I just want to encourage everyone who's joining us today to buy the book, um, both of their books. You can pre-order Parenting for Liberation. on the Feminist Press website um, for, and use the discount code TRINA20 um, for 20% off your order. Or I would highly also recommend buying Parenting for Liberation and We Live for the We at your favorite, um, maybe black woman owned bookstore, whether it's Loyalty Books in Washington DC, Source Booksellers in Detroit, Sisters Uptown in Manhattan, um, and many others that we love here at Feminist Press. Um, So with no further ado, I'm going to introduce our wonderful speakers today. Um, So Trina Green-Brown is the creator of Parenting for Liberation, a virtual platform launched in 2016 
featuring blogs and podcasts that aim to connect, inspire, and uplift Black parents. An activist and mother of two, she is also a member of the Renaissance Network, oh, Resonance Network, and the Move to End Violence. She has contributed to On Parenting for the Washington Post, as well as two anthologies on the intersection of motherhood and activism. She is the author of Parenting for Liberation, forthcoming from the Feminist Press next month. Um, Danny McLean writes and reports on race, reproductive health, policy, and politics. She is a contributing writer at The Nation and a fellow with The Nation Institute. Her writing has appeared in outlets including Slate, Talking Points Memo, Al Jazeera America, Colorlines, Ebony.com, and Guernica. She's the author of We Live for the We, The Political Power of Black Motherhood, which is out now. Um, so I'm gonna mute myself and turn this conversation over to you all. Um, and we're so excited. Yay, thank you Feminist Press for hosting us. Um, thanks for Danny for saying yes. I'm so excited to be in this conversation with you right now. Um, in this moment where there's so much uncertainty and folks are um, isolating and sheltering in place and physically distancing themselves um, because folks are saying that we are safer when we are at home. Um, and Danny, you and I are both parents who are raising um, children, but we raise our children in a collective. We raise our children in a communal way. We raise our children um, with extended and expansive ideas of what it means to be family. And we know that this is impacting us and many other families um, in a large way. And so we wanted to come together um, as two uh, sister mama authors now, now that's my new title, um, and, and talk about what it means to, to raise our children um, in community and how do we stay connected and build community um, during this global pandemic. Um, and so in this conversation, we will explore the impact of isolation on our families um, and how black families in particular have expansive um, and what sometimes folks will not experience as traditional um, ways of building family um, units. And we'll talk about strategies for how to maintain community. Um, and we'll also talk about why community is a place and source of healing and resilience for us in this time. So looking forward for this conversation. Um, and, you know, I've already been introduced, but I'm Trina. Um, I'm a mom of two. Um, and I'm a mom of two in a blended family. Um, and so uh, I just wanted to, to elevate that I, part of my identity as well, in addition to being an author, in addition to being a founder of Parenting for Liberation, um, I also hold that identity as a Black mama activist. Danny, you want to introduce yourself as well? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm Danny, um, and I really just want to take a moment to congratulate you, Trina. Um, I am so excited for you and so excited for those of us who get to read this book and be um, inspired by this book and learn from this book and all the uh, parents whose stories you've lifted up in this book. Um, I will never forget sitting with you, um, Cafe Gratitude. I can't remember where we were, but someplace in Southern California. That sounds like a good name though, because I was definitely <laughs> grateful for the opportunity. Right, right. I can't remember where we were, but we were in a restaurant, um, I think in Santa Monica, because we had a meeting in Santa Monica that would have been, I don't know, four years ago, three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I interviewed you for my book, and I just remember it was like an hour, hour and a half conversation, and just being so... Um, thankful that I had met you, that someone had introduced us and that I got to learn from you. And, and, you know, I think what sets you apart from some people in this space is that in addition to thinking and writing about these issues, 
you're an organizer and you're continually and consistently bringing together black families to talk about these issues and to, and to support um, each other in real time. So I'm thrilled to be in this conversation with you. Congratulations. Thank um, you. Yes, yes. So um, I wanna just jump in with a, with a question about, you know, you talked about the fact that both of us parent in community and I wanna talk a little bit more about that, what, about what that means to you. Um, in, in my book, We Live for the We, I have a chapter on family that um, really tries to challenge rhetoric around this, this and stereotypes around the single black mom um, and I try to put women-headed households and um, the importance of the extended family in Black communities in a historical and social context. How does your book address um, this topic of Black family structure? Uh, and I'm particularly interested, given the makeup of our families, um, what are you seeing in terms of how our families are managing in isolation, this period where we're all supposed to go in the house and shut the door behind us? What are the strategies that you're seeing families using to stay healthy and safe? And I'm wondering if following these stay-at-home orders looks any different for the families that you work with. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, so similarly, there's a section in Parent of Liberation, um, and I have my copy here, that is about the, the reconnection to community. Um, and so the book is broken down into three parts. Um, and it is written based on stories that I've received um, in interviews with, with Black parents over the, the few years that I've been doing Parenting for Liberation. Um, and the sections are reconnection to myself as a, as a parent. How do I reconnect to myself, my inner child, and do some healing work around that? Um, the second section of the, of the book is about reconnection to my child. So how do I build new relationships with my child that are rooted in liberation and equity and mutuality? Um, and just really appreciating the wisdom from all those parents who shared their, their, their strategies about how to raise liberated children. And the third section of the book is about um, a reconnection to community and how um, folks who I interviewed for that section of the book really talked about the multiple communities that they, that they either build or are a part of that are beyond just their biological family, right? Um, and one of the first people that I interviewed for that section or the story that's pulled to that section is um, with Mia Birdsong. Um, and she talks about um, that Black families has all, have always had a different way of building and doing families, um, families that have been always expansive and have always been inclusive. Um, so she says, let me quote her from, this, from the book, she says, we have always had different ways of doing families. We have always had intergenerational families, always had queer families. We have always had matrilineal families where you have women raising children and with their sisters and their mothers. And there's an in invisibility of the different nodes of connection that exist in our families because of the ways that America defines who counts as family. And Black folks have long tradition of doing this. And so when I think about um, the story with me, I think about you know the the African proverb that it takes a village to raise a child. Like literally, that is how we raise our children amongst amongst a village, amongst our people. And that doesn't have to be blood relatives or biological relatives. We build family. Um, and family has always been a place of resilience and a, a place where we can actually go and get support. And so in this moment where folks are saying to shelter in place and stay safe at home, it really requires us to think about, well, how do we define home? Because for my child, for example, home is three different places. Um, so my son is a part of a blended family. So he lives here with me. 
um, and he lives with his, he has his home in his own bedroom at his grandparents' home, and then he has his own room at his, at his dad's home. And so he's used to being able to move between those spaces, um, like multiple days throughout, throughout the week. And so with this shelter in place order, I'm hearing from folks that them, them not being able to choose, like how do they choose which home do their children go to? I also have a stepdaughter who was sheltering in place with us for the first few weeks. Um, and now she's sheltering in place at home with her mother. And so now that's limiting our interaction. So it's also having us make choices that feel very hard about where does the child actually get to shelter in place and what do we define as home? Um, and folks are trying to figure that out. You know, I have friends who, who are co-parenting as well who are doing the alternate weeks. And so one week there and one week here, but then having to be in a really deep, transparent, authentic conversations about, well, what are you doing at your home to ensure that we have the same shelter in place strategies and approaches to what does it mean to be safe for our children? And so, um, so yeah, this current shelter in place order doesn't necessarily take into account blended families. Um, it doesn't take into account families like my own. It doesn't take into account families that are, that are, that are used to being in a communal sense, even though they're not in the same household, but we see ourselves as all raising this child together. Um, and so I think that some of the strategies that folks are doing is really how to, it, it's requiring us to be in like really deep intentional conversations about um, our values and are we in alignment in this moment around what does it mean to shelter in place and what does it mean to be safe for our children. Um, and I know you've done some, some research about that and you've actually written a piece about that, about how this, this order is impacting families that, that don't necessarily meet the traditional uh, family structure. I'm curious about what you're learning. Yeah, well, as you know, you know, I called you when I decided I was going to write this story for the nation. Um, you were probably my first phone call um, because the frame for me was, you know, I'm a unpartnered parent. I live in my home with my daughter, who's three and a half, um, and it's very similar to what you described. She is used to spending a lot of time at my mom's house. Um, when her dad comes to town, which is every other week, she spends time with him at his parents' house, houses. Um, so this idea, like the, the public health guidance that we were getting, like be in your home until further note, or for, you know, for however long, I was like, this does not compute. And um, we need public health guidance that speaks to those of us who can't, um, who can't accommodate that because we wanna be healthy and safe. It's not like I'm in denial about the threat of this virus, but you know, I can't just be in the house with a three and a half year old for like months or years or however long this is gonna last, I have to work. And so, um, yeah, I called you, I talked to you, I talked to epidemiologists who really just said, you know, exactly what you've lifted up, the importance of um, communication, good communication with the people with whom we co-parent. Um, now this has become a broader conversation because people are realizing that we're gonna have to form bubbles um, that households are going to have to form bubbles, even if you're, you know, even if the question of co-parenting isn't necessarily up for you in terms of just developing some kind of social life outside of our homes, more and more people are talking about this. But yeah, I was glad to get into this conversation with you for an article that would have been over a month ago. Um, well, I want to, um, yeah, I guess, I'm sorry. I think I was going to ask you a question, but I think you had a question <laughs> for me. I do have a question. I'll, I'll 
Call back. Sorry, I got a little. <laughs> it's all good. This is a, you know how we do when we get on the phone. Um, it's all good. We can uh, shift it up. Um, so if there's something on your spirit and you want to ask, like, please feel free. <laughs> you good? No, yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, when you say like thinking about those, like creating those bubbles, I know that in, in the social justice community, we were talking about those as pods, like who, who is in your pod, um, you know, how do you create these nodes, like as, as Mia talks about, there's different nodes of connection, and how do you make those choices about, um, so I'm a, I'm a unpart, like if someone's an unpartnered parent with their child individually at home, how do they sync up and, and choose to create a bubble and expand their bubble with another parent or another family with a small child. So I've heard parents talking about doing that now, um, considering that the stay-at-home orders are being extended, um, that they've been home with their child or their children for a few months, and that is not sustainable. And so folks are thinking about how do they expand their nodes. So I do really appreciate that, um, that you know, folks are forming those conversations. Um, in terms of like maintaining the connection, right? Um, about a year ago, Right now, we, we were together actually in person, and I don't know how long it's gonna be before we could do that again, but we were together at Black Love Convergence. Um, we were together with a group of about 100 Black folks um, who were really just spending intentional time to fall in love with Blackness. Um, it's a really intentional space to bring Black folks together to just celebrate what it means to be Black and to talk about relationships and connections and how do we define love as Black folks. Um, and you and I were there actually co-hosting, co co-facilitating, co-holding space around uh, the role of Black caregivers in communities and also in movement spaces. Mm -hmm. um, it was such a beautiful time, um, and Black Love Convergence is having a virtual gathering um, on Juneteenth as well this year. Um, and, and I just think about how rich that time was. We were in a small group, um, intimate space with, with a crew of, of Black caregivers talking about what does it mean to have support? What does it mean to stay connected to people um, and how that's so important, just like we're talking about now. And so I'm curious um, about right now, like I'm missing that connection. I'm missing being able to be in that space with you and all those black folks, but curious, how are you maintaining connection um, right now during this pandemic where we're sheltering in place? Yeah, I mean, I think first I wanna just acknowledge how important it is to maintain those connections given the moment that we're living in. You know, some of us are struggling with the health impacts of COVID. You know, we are either sick ourselves or we're caring for people who are sick. Some of us are grieving, um, having lost people to COVID. Um, some of us are dealing with the economic, you know, impact, having lost work or having lost jobs. Um, but even, you know, for those of us who are not feeling directly impacted in that way, we're dealing with the chaos of the moment. Um, and, and that's really up for me and alive for me. I think living in this moment where basically the federal government has um, refused to give any kind of coordinated effective response and basically put that on governors. Um, some of us live in states, you know, you said you're in California where the stay-at-home orders have been extended. I'm in Ohio, that has, which has a Republican governor, which has, he's been like fairly good on the response, but now we're in this reopening stage. All of us are in these different environments where um, so much about our lives and livelihood are up to 
these elected officials, politicians, not always public health officials, not people who, you know, really are going to follow what the kind of um, public health guidance is. And there's this kind of shift toward getting the economy open and, and you know, uh, getting people making money again. So this feels like a really chaotic moment to me. And I'm aware of the stress that that puts on families, particularly those of us within families who have responsibilities for um, like managing the household, for being the primary caregiver, um, because part of our job is to make sense of this moment and to um, be that person who's reading the news reports and sifting through the information between like, is this just kind of like capitalist propaganda to get us out of our houses back like to shopping and getting our nails done and working? What information do I need to take in to keep myself and my family safe? And how do I, um, how do, I do that? Because it's on me, right? We can't trust that the government's going to do that for us. And so I'm just really aware in this moment of like the responsibility that's falling to individuals and kind of the added pressure that that puts on those of us who are caregivers. So what I'm realizing um, as I'm trying to maintain these connections with people that you talk about that are so important, I really need that as a way to, um, you know, check in with people like, how are you doing it in your household? Um, do you think this is safe? Um, did you did you read about now these new um, symptoms that they're seeing in kids? What do you think about that? And what how does that mean that you, you know? So the connections feel important just to nurture my spirit, but also there's like a real need in this moment of chaos and like miscommunication where we're really responsible for figuring things out for ourselves. And so I'm really leaning heavily into virtual spaces. Um, I'm on a bunch of group chats with people, some of whom are parents, some of whom aren't. Um, <clears throat> I have uh, a weekly Zoom call date with some uh, people who I went to college with and, you know, we'll do everything from play cards against humanity together to, um, to do, uh, we did karaoke last week. I was up on a chair dancing to Pony. <laughs> It was great. It was fun. It's like, you know, so I'm using these virtual spaces. I would spaces. like to be invited to that space. <laughs> it was so necessary. And, and so that's, and we said that after that call, we were like, it feels so good to play with one another because so often we're in touch via the group chat. Like, have you read this study? Did you read this? What do you think about this? Are you, you know, what are you doing for childcare? This and that. And then sometimes we just need to create space to be like, let's play cards against humanity and act a fool, you know? Um, so I'm leaning into these virtual spaces that feels really good. I think one of the things that's interesting about this moment is like, I actually go to more parties than I've gone to probably in the past five years because <laughs> this, you know, D night and party yeah, right. I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent of a young child and I, and I live in a place that I don't have as much access to the things that speak to me culturally. But all of a sudden we're in this moment where, okay, it's nine o'clock, D-Nice might be spinning, Bobito did a party, DJ Lalo, Reborn. Like I have access to these places where I can be a grown up after I put my child to bed. So that's been something that's really refreshing. Like I find myself making, feeling a part of community in a way that I, that I wouldn't have expected. Um, mm -hmm. And I also just want to credit you because there's also a piece around um, being local with family, family and friends, like a lot of, I live in my hometown 
and so we do have family here. Um, and I remember going on Facebook and seeing you, you took a picture of yourself and your son doing a bike ride, I think past his grandparents' house and having a socially distant, you know, hangout with them on the porch and you just out like on the street or in the driveway. And that was, this was like six weeks ago, probably that I saw that you had done that. And I was like, oh, we can do that. Okay. So my child isn't in close physical contact with her grandmother, but she met, they miss each other. So we can go over there and I can drop off brownies and we can talk from the driveway. So there have been a number of ways to try to maintain these connections that um, that are working for us. How about you? How are you? How are you managing that? Yeah. Well, I need to be a part of the karaoke group, so <laughs> invite me because um, that's definitely something I've been trying to figure out. How do you do karaoke over Zoom? Because I know there's this like audio delay, and you can't yeah, sing along. So you know, I've been trying to figure out the strategy. Uh, so you can tell me all the tips. Um, but yeah, I really, I, 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 echo, I want to echo what you share about the importance of play. Um, you know, I feel like I'm on Zoom calls all day for work. And there's, while there's like more opportunities to play and connect, I feel like there's like this heightened sense of productivity. And there's this heightened sense of like, all these webinars and all these meetings that I probably wouldn't have actually been at if I was actually going, you know, working and going in place. So I am also realizing like there's also a heightened sense of like connectivity in ways that are not necessarily life-giving or life-affirming that are, are some, somewhat depleting and draining. Um, so I, I would say have folks be in choice in the ways that they can about the connections they wanna make to find connections that actually make you feel connected to your humanity, to your heart your spirit make you feel lifted so karaoke on the chair just sounds like yes i want to be there um or dj nice or some of these different um artists who are performing i've just been so amazed um and honored about about the ways that creative folks have been able to um just the ways that creative folks have been able to bring us into a place of like celebration and honoring of our humanity in this time i feel like the artists have been saving us um, the creatives have been saving us, the innovatives have been saving us. Um, and when I say saving us, I feel like they've just been reminding us of, uh, of our resiliency practices in dance and music and song and art and creativity. Um, that brings us a sense of aliveness, right? Um, and as you know, our friend, it brings us a sense of pleasure. Our friend, shout out to our friend, Asia Marie Brown. Um, other ways, you know, like trying to maintain those connections that existed. So you saw the photo, um, we, we try to go you know, drive, if we do a drive-by to our local, our family members who are local, um, checking in with, you know, the grandparents who are nearby. Um, I've become the person who delivers, like, medicines or herbs to the family. Um, you know, like, really thinking about what's my role in community and how do I continue to show up in that way. Um, I'm also the, like, party planner in my family. Um, we are huge and like I love to play we used to do game nights and so we've we've been doing game nights um, my sister has been like having us do these bingo games my mom really used to go to bingo all the time so now we like play bingo online um, but we recently started trying to do um, Pictionary over zoom and so that's been really fun so just thinking about ways to stay connected that are rooted in play um, and ways that help us feel alive again and, and those connections um, and then parenting for liberation, right? Like a lot of folks who are doing this, there's so many opportunities for folks to connect, but there's not necessarily a lot of spaces where black folks and black parents can actually come together and connect with each other about 
the stressfulness of this, the hardness of it? What does it mean as a black parent to be doing this? Because it's very unique and different, especially given the the rates of of, of COVID impacts on our community. Um, so like, where do parents go to be like, I'm scared? Where do parents go to be like, I am worried about these things? And where do they go to find connection? And so Parenting for Liberation has been intentionally holding community care circles um, at least monthly where Black parents can come together and practice a healing modality, whether it be writing affirmations and mantras to building an altar that reminds us of our strength, our resilience, and our courage in this moment that connects us back to our ancestral power, um, or whether it be a, a workshop or a session about writing and poetry, just really trying to bring Black parents together to connect and also to practice um, some healing strategies to keep us grounded. And we've also started to try to hold space for parents and their children. Um, or sometimes we're like, you need a break from your child, just put them in front of the computer and we'll read a book to them. Um, and so just thinking about ways to keep families connected who may not have someone, you know, like I have folks who are local, some folks are not local or nearby, you know, family or feel like they don't necessarily have community. And so wanting to create that space for folks to come and folks come and they share and they cry and they share their feelings and um, they get grounded together and, and, and leave with some strategies or practices to try at home. Um, and so, so that's been really, really, really great um, to be in those spaces and to hold those spaces for folks. And the last thing I'll share before we um, move is, is Parent for Liberation recently launched a Care for Caregivers um, wellness fund and and we've only the application's only been live a few days and we've already gotten half of the the request for services and that really is to intentionally um, partner and connect parents black parents with black healer healing practitioners who also identify as caregivers and so just thinking about the way that that these connections are not they are for play, they are for fun, but seeing all of that as a way to help parents to feel healed, to heal and to have a sense of wellness, that, that these connections are actually life affirming and life giving and help us to, to sustain in this moment. I love that because as you said earlier, I, well, I just really admire the way that you've organized your book, right? With the first part being about reconnection to self um, the second part being about reconnection to our children and the third part about that reconnection to community. And so what you're talking about with this um, care for the caregivers, you know, effort is like acknowledging that people, we need to be taking care of ourselves right now. Um, and that, uh, you know, folks are struggling and that we still need to find ways to heal um, even in this moment. So I want to just take a moment, if it's okay, to um, put this question to you that came in. Okay. Um, so let's see. So someone asked, first of all, thank, I just want to thank everybody who's watching. Thanks for taking time. As Trina said, it can be, there's so many options for what to do with your time if you have it. So many webinars. So thanks for taking time out of your morning or afternoon to join us. So this, um, this person shares, I've been looking at ways beyond online as my children need quality physical interactions. They're um, early ed education age, they're preschoolers who are three and a kindergartner who just turned six. The virtual spaces won't be enough in that respect. Look, we're looking to open up our circle to create a community larger than the Western nuclear family. 
the continuous online time will inevitably have an impact on my children's socio-emotional development. Um, this person has worked with the UN for 10 years in emergency areas, and there's no doubt there will be a psychosocial impact on our children. Let's talk about this. Um, she's looking for other, or this person is looking for other moms' point of views on the long-term impact of the online world on younger children and the decrease of physical interactions. Yeah, yeah that's real. Thank you so much for that question. Um, I don't propose to be a, a, a psychotherapist or anything of that nature, but I do know um, from my own knowing and experiences that that right now, for example, like the increased use of screen time as a way to maintain, um, as I'm working or having things to do, like allowing my child to have way more screen time um, and noticing that when it's time to turn that off, right? There's impacts, right? Um, folks, there's a lot of research and data on like the impacts of screen time on, on our children's um, emotion, on their ability to stay focused, on, on their ways of like being able to transition from screens to the next thing that they're super irritable, um, they may have more insomnia. So I, I, I definitely know that, that there will be impacts and there already are impacts um, I'm experiencing. And I think that piece around a lack of connection with other, other kids. So my son is here um, by himself because again, our family's been split up because of the shelter in place orders with our blended family. And I've noticed that he, he desires to be connected to the kids who are in the neighborhood who are outside and they have siblings and he doesn't have siblings, right? Who are, who's in the home. And so I do see that, that sense of like wanting to be connected to folks um, and that desire. And so we, we are struggling with that, which is why we do some of these drive-by connections, but he can't physically you know, engage. Um, I think as this continues to expand, we've talked about folks who are going to, who've been considering, and I've, I've been talking to parents who are thinking about how do they expand their bubble so that their children have um, another child or other children outside of their family um, in their node, in their connection, in, the, in their pod. Um, and so I think as we, as we continue to expand our shelter in place, um, or we continue to have to, to evolve with this, I think we are gonna need um, the public health department or the CDC to really think about how do they talk about shelter in place in a new and expansive way. That's not about isolating in our home and in our bubble. That doesn't include like maybe partnering or coupling with other families um, that we stay connected to so that we can have that, that social interaction because it is limited and I do think it's gonna have an impact. Um, and I think that's why the book is written in that way because if we realize for ourselves the impact as the adults in the home, like we realize that it's having an impact, we also know that it's having an impact on our children. And so how can we be in that relationship with them to have them, you know, be able to share what the impact is? How do we talk to them about it? And not try to sweep right. it under the rug and, and, and validate their feelings that this is really hard in this moment. Um, I don't have the answers, but I definitely think, I definitely agree with you uh, who wrote this question and appreciate the question that it is, it is already having an impact on our children. Yeah, I just I want to just lift up the the last piece that you said around the importance of validating their feelings and giving them space to express themselves. Um, the you know I've noticed uh, so my daughter is three and a half, and in general she's she's an only child, and um, in general she's been pretty even keeled about things and taking it you know in stride. Um, she'll say you know I can't wait. Uh, until this is all over, you know, she'll always say like, when coronavirus is over, we'll have to go, you know, do this and that. I want to have a party and make a chocolate cake when coronavirus is over so we can celebrate with our friends. 
Um, but the other day I was noticing some tan, like some pretty intense tantrums and they didn't seem to be about like the thing that it was about, you know? So it's like, oh, this toy, I'm tired of this toy. And then a huge kind of outsized response to that. And we finally just had a moment where it was like, what's really going on? I think something else is, and she was like, this is hard, you know? And it really felt inadequate, but important to just have to just say like this is really hard you know like tell me are you missing your friends um and just giving her space to cry about that and, and telling her i really miss my friends too i'm lonely too and also i mean i don't know if this is age appropriate but i'll say like um we've never i didn't experience this when i was a kid it's not like this is a part a normal part of childhood i don't say it to her in that way but just letting her know like in a in an age appropriate way this is unprecedented so we don't you know we don't know and and that actually feels like something that i've come to through my conversations with you trina and through you know other conversations with black parents is like that's not really aligned with how i was brought up um i wasn't brought up in like a super authoritarian household but like i think this is a new approach to parenting a willingness to be in open questions and uncertainty with our children like I don't know, this is tough. Like, I wanna cry too, I'm very lonely, it doesn't feel right. We're not supposed to wanna, you know, stay away from people, you, you know. It's, you know, just kind of acknowledging that how strange this is. Um, and in some ways, I think I'm just trying to buy time, waiting for there to be better guidance or advice from pediatricians or whomever who can tell us what we need to be saying to kids. I had my conference with my, my daughter's preschool teachers last week and I'm like asking them for advice and they're like, we don't know. You know, there's not like, I don't know, maybe someone does need to go back to other moments of pandemic, like what was the guidance with kids, but I'm trying to give myself um, space to just be in uncertainty and learn ways to provide my child with comfort and letting her know that I'm in control and that she's safe while also holding that alongside the uncertainty. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful at all, but to the person who asked the question, um, it's interesting because like New Zealand, I think has maybe totally contained or eradicated the virus. And there's been some research coming out of there around um, like um, things to do with children. Um, so there, there are actually, what what I found that's been useful about how to create in-person experiences for children has been research coming out of other countries. I'm not really seeing anything here, but there was an interesting article in the Washington Post out of Canada, these families that are forming bubbles or nodes and how they're doing it. Um, so I think we, what I'm doing is looking to international perspectives to try to teach myself about this. Mm, yeah, that definitely resonates. Um, someone asked a question to show the book again and remind of the topic. And I think, Danny, what you just shared, I'll, I'll show the book again. Um, Parenting for Liberation, A Guide for Raising Black Children, um, coming out Juneteenth. Um, I think what you just shared, Danny, is, is exactly how um, the book describes the ways to be um, in relationship with your children, especially in section two, which is about reconnection to child or your children. It's about how do we have like open conversations, right? So in one of my interviews with Maya Williams, who's a contributor, an editor, a co-editor to Revolutionary Mothering Love on the Front Line, she talks about having open communications with her daughter. 
and it being very different than the types of communication she had when she was a child, right? She, she said that I want my child to tell me anything and I tell my child, you can tell me anything and therefore I have to be willing to be able to hear my child tell me anything, which means that as, as the adult, as the parent, that we have to have a willingness and openness to not try to correct. And so accompanying that story in the book. Um, so the book is also, it's a guide. So with each story, that's in the book, there's a, a, a practice or a strategy for parents to actually try out. And so with the open communication strategy, it's about how do we be open in our communication, right? So, and then I created an, an acronym for that. So O is for being observant. How do we observe what's going on with our child? So you noticed, for example, that um, is was having these emotional reactions and it didn't feel like it was connected to actually what it was like it felt like something bigger than just a toy right so you observe that um the p is for praise and so oftentimes we like go to like criticize or correct our child and so the second um the second letter and open is p and so label that as praise like how do you acknowledge and honor like that their ability to to share their feelings their ability to emote how do we actually honor that because sometimes it's like stop crying you don't got nothing to cry about it's like no actually i see that you have big feelings right now and that is okay. How do we validate that? Um, e is, e is, is the next thing is around empathy. How do we have empathy for them? I know right now a lot of folks and what I've heard when I was growing up that they're just children. Like they don't have any responsibilities. They don't have to stress about work or bills or things like that. So like, why are they so stressed? But it's like, this is unprecedented for children. This is not how children are used to living. Um, they're used to being able to go to school and see their friends and play. Um, and this is very stressful because it's like That's a whole unknown. The grandparents, their touch cousins. Touch people. Yeah, exactly. All of that. So like, this is a big deal for them. Um, so having empathy and then the end is to be non-judgmental and non-directional. That's what the end is for in open communication. And so how are you not, how are we in conversations with our children? We're not trying to tell them what to do um, and tell them how they should feel. Um, how do we not be non-directional and non-judgmental and how do we just hold space for them? And so, so yeah, that's how the book is formatted. Uh, and the book is available at Feminist Press. I see a question. I um, mean, we can put some links on how folks can order the book. Um, it is available at that big retailer, um, but we're encouraging folks to buy from their local, their local small independent bookstores. Um, right now, those, those, those businesses are being impacted greatly by um, this moment. So encouraging folks to look at those alternative places. Including, I think it's bookshop.org. Yeah, bookshop.org is uh, an online um, platform that shares uh, proceeds with independent bookstores. So check them out as well. Oh, nice. Nice. I hope I got that right. I think it's called bookshop.org. Um, okay. Let's see. So I'm just aware of time and I want to be respectful of folks' time, but also not be rushed. But you know, just as a final question, um, I'm wondering if uh, there's anything that you would like to say. Are there any opportunities in this moment? Um, you know, I think we've talked about the ways in which COVID-19 is keeping us away from our larger community, but you talk, you write in the book about the importance of healing and reconnecting to ourselves and reconnecting with our children. Does this kind of stay-at-home moment provide us any opportunities to do some of that more you know nurturing those more intimate bonds yeah i mean i feel like this is a, a time i feel like folks are getting, getting a lot of messages about what to be doing with this time like 
I've been seeing those memes was like, write that book that you always wanted to write or build that business. It's like very pro rooted in productivity. And I would right. say that, that the business of yourself is, is probably the most profitable business if, if that's even a real thing, right? But how do we care for ourselves? How do we drop into ourselves? Like for me, this has been a moment where I have had um, just the opportunity to connect with myself and also to reconnect with my son in new ways. I travel a lot for work and we're normally you know, rushing off to school and you know, there's all these like the hustle and bustle of life has like slowed down. And so I've actually gotten to just like see him in a new way. Like I've gotten to experience him in ways that I probably wouldn't have. Um, we've gotten to have some really deep, um, deep conversations just about life, about the questions that, that, you know, that you named that is has around, you know, what is this? When is this going to end? Like being able to really be in those emotions with him, be in those feelings with him, understand how he emotes, understand how he feels understand what he cares about. We did this um, assignment, uh, a COVID-19 time capsule assignment where, you know, they, they, he captured what he's feeling in this moment. He captured what he wants to do. He captured his hopes and his dreams. And so just being in space with him, doing projects with him has been really fun. Figuring out games that we play together. So there's like this computer game that he really likes to play. Um, I was trying to teach him how to play chess, playing with puzzles, you know, just like some I would say like old school, like non-technological ways of connecting to. Um, and also like, just to be honest, like he has, because we're like in the home a lot alone, he has a desire to be connected with me in a deeper way. So like he sleeps in my bed again. He's a teenager <laughs> and um, he hasn't slept in my bed in, in years. And like every night, it's like, I just was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is the, this is the routine. Like he just comes, he has his, you know, he wants the fan on and we talk about our different ways of sleeping and it's just been a cute little reconnection. Like in the middle of the day, we can go for a walk or go ride a bike. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that. Like he made, like when we, <laughs> when we first started riding the bikes, mine was on flat because I hadn't ridden my bike in that long. Um, so it's just been really sweet to, to reconnect to our children and reconnect to myself. I've been journaling more, reading more. Um, it's just a really important time to slow down and, and connect. How how has it been um, for you? Uh, I would I would echo a lot of what you've said. Just not being in that hustle um, gives me time to just spend a deeper time with her. Um, and then you know what it's made me think about is like I've basically outsourced the work of her socialization because that's what we do, right? Like that's what socialization is like you go to preschool, I drop you off, I pick you up. Um, but it's one thing that I've noticed is it's given me more of a kind of upfront view on like, how do I take responsibility for her socialization? So she and I are connecting in deeper ways, but I find myself um, really just thinking more deeply about like how to support her friendships and how to support her growing as a social person. Cause I'm right there, you know, up on the experience in a way that I'm, that I wasn't before. Um, and then, you know, I've heard people say about this moment, like this, a moment like this is, is why we have spiritual practices. Like if you have a meditation practice, if you have a prayer practice, if you, you know, um, the things that we do to, build resilience and strength it, it we do it for moments like these so so that we can survive 
and, and hopefully thrive. And so I've been leaning into some of the practices that I've stepped away from. Um, I used to have a, a really strong seated meditation practice. I try, I'm trying to get back to that. Um, so yeah, those are some of the ways that I'm trying to make use of the time. I completely, I'm thankful for your point about like, this isn't necessarily a moment when everyone can just ramp up the productivity because it's a crisis and we're living in chaos. I mean, there, there are many reasons why it's not gonna be the moment that you, you like write the great American novel or something. So I'm trying not to put those pressures on myself and, and instead just figure out how to take better care, cook a different kind, you know, find new recipes, bake, like do things that I don't typically do, so. Yeah. It's a returning to a, a, a way of being that we may have not experienced, but I feel like this is the way our people lived. There was no necessarily running around and driving around and all that. It was like the kids were home. They were raised at home with the community and the family. And so I hear a lot of folks envisioning in this moment, the pathway forward and not to return to what was because what was didn't serve us. No. Um, and so this is actually a moment of us being able to create the world that we want for our children, for our families, and for our communities. And so I'm um, trying to look at this moment as a moment of opportunity as opposed to a moment of despair, that, that something better is going to come out on the other end in terms of the way that we parent, in terms of the way that we connect to our children, connect to our families, and connect to our communities. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful place to close this conversation. Um, Trina, I'm so thankful. Uh, that you've taken the time to to talk with me and to share these these thoughts and and share pieces of your book and your work and I just wish you the best of luck in getting the word out about your book and again just I think you know if you've been following the chat you're seeing the links and the different ways that you can buy Trina's book Parenting for Liberation um, you can please support go to your local bookstore if they're if they're open. Um, check out different, you know, bookshop.org and IndieBound and different ways that you can find it online and just buy this book. This is the kind of book um, that you want, um, you want it by your bedside table. You know, you can check it out from the library. Make sure that your library has it. That's another way that you can always support authors is go to your library and ask them to um, have at least one copy there. But this is the kind of book you want to buy because you're going to want to go back to it as a resource over and over again. You want to highlight it, write in the margins and all that. So please support Trina and, and go ahead and get her book. And, and thank you, Feminist Press, for, for hosting this event. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. That means so much coming from a fellow author. Um, and also Danny's book is also available for folks who are, um, who are on those websites as well, We Live for the We. So thank you so much for this conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both so much, um, everyone, for joining us. Um, I think this conversation will also be live on our Facebook page, Feminist Press's Facebook page, for a little longer if you want to share it with folks who weren't able to attend. And again, thanks so much and hope to see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting for Liberation. I hope that something shared on this episode helps you on your journey to liberated parenting. To learn more about our other episodes, check out our website at www.parentingforliberation.org backslash podcasts. 
please like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you give us a good review. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more backward thinking. Time for thinking.